Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor W. Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. In the challenging times we live in today, we believe that God's Holy Word is the single most important source to all the answers we need and are searching for. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7:24 that anyone who hears his words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on solid rock. It is our hope with this program to help you grow in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Lift Up Jesus is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church in Los Angeles, California. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. Uh, We've been studying through the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, is an incredible uh, study. Uh, Today, chapter 6, is a passage that is the culmination of everything we have studied thus far. We're going to see three major parts to this captivating biblical story of Nehemiah rebuilding these ancient walls of Jerusalem. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. First thing that we see is this opposite, what I call opposition galore. We have seen over and over again throughout this story At every turn, there is this opposition. We know that Nehemiah, according to Nehemiah 2, verse 18, we know that he's doing a good work. We know this is a good thing to do. We also know that these troublemakers keep attempting to derail him at every turn. Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem keep raising their ugly attempts to thwart the work of God. They ridiculed Nehemiah. They mocked the Jews. They threatened the workers physically. They tried almost everything they could to derail the work of God. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. When word came to Samballot, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not yet set the doors in the gate. So they're almost finished. Verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of those little villages out there on that plain of Ono. But the Bible says that they were scheming to harm me. Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great work, a great project. I cannot go down. I cannot come down. Why Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you down there on that plain of oh no? Verse 4. Now watch this. Four times they sent me the same 
message. And each time, I gave them the same answer. Verse 3 is one of my favorite lines in this entire book. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Anytime you're trying to live for God, anytime you're trying to be like Jesus. Now, I'm glad that you're in church today, but if you ever become a Christian, it's a decision that you make. And anytime you make a decision, there will always be the Sanballas and the Tobias and the Geshems, the people that will come alongside and mock you and ridicule you and threaten you and will attempt to derail you. That, that will always happen when you make that type of decision. We know that Satan will do anything to thwart the work of God. We know that. And he'll use discouragement. He'll use division. He'll use diversion. He'll use distractions, anything in his arsenal to thwart the work of God. Nehemiah was doing a good work. And four times his enemies said, come down off of that wall. And Nehemiah every time said, I can't come down off this wall. I'm doing a great work for God. What Nehemiah, what Nehemiah should have said, instead of you sitting out there and trying to get me off of this wall, why don't the three of you come up and join me on this wall and let's finish this project to the glory of God. Now that's what he should have said. Which leads me to my second point. Now stay with me, stay with me, because what I'm getting ready to talk about next is another level I call this the fear-mongering from Geshem. Verse 4 says that four times they tell him, come down off that wall, let's go meet on the plain of Ono. We got some things we want to talk about. He knew that they were just scheming to harm him. He says, I cannot come down. Tells them the same four times. Four four times. He says, I can't come down. I can't come down. I can't come down. Well, these guys are relentless. Look at verse 5. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message so they bring this letter it's unsealed which means it could be anybody could write anything on it right but here's what the letter says now pay attention how this goes it is reported among the nations that you and the jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall moreover according to these reports which geshem says are true You are about to become their king, and you have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. Nehemiah said this in reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making this stuff up. Pay very careful attention to verse 9, how it starts. They were trying to what? Frighten me. That's fear-mongering. Listen, there's always going to be people that cause trouble, who cause fear, people down below trying to get you to come down off that wall, people saying to you, stop doing that good work. They'll do anything to stop the work of God. And I just want to tell you today, don't ever quit. Don't give up. Don't stop doing a great work for God. We are doing a good work here at this church. 
I am convinced that because of this church, there is less gang violence in the city of Los Angeles. You take out all the churches in this city, there'd be a whole lot more gang violence. I'm convinced there's less graffiti in this city because of this church. He said, I see graffiti everywhere I go. I know you'd see a lot more if the church wasn't here. There'd be less murders. There would be less crime. There is less divorce in this city because of this church. There are less homeless people in this city because of this church. You say, well, I'm not everywhere I go. I see homeless people. I know there'd be a lot more if there wasn't for the church. There is less depression because of this church. There are less abortions in this city because of this church. There is less dysfunctional homes in this city because of this church. There is less racism because of this church. Oh, it's difficult to measure those metrics, but I know that there's a positive net effect in this city because of the work this church has done the ripple effect of spiritual influence that has fallen upon this city. And the truth is that there are those in this city who oppose us. We're here doing everything we can do to make a difference in this city, and yet there are still people who are against us, who wish to silence us, those who wish to marginalize us, those who wish we would just go away those who wish uh, to mock us and to ridicule us. Listen, listen, the sand ballots of the world will always be here. And if you ever feel like you're under attack, if you ever feel like quitting, not serving God any longer because of the naysayers, you need to pray what Nehemiah prayed. In verse 9, when he said, Lord, strengthen my hands. Now watch this. Watch this. He's up there on the wall, and he's working. He's building. He's putting on this, he's doing this, 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 this. And up there here, he's working. He gets these critics, the sandbells, the buys together. Hey, come down off that wall. I'm working. Now I can't come down. I'm working here. Hey, come down off this wall. He's working here. Come down. I know they're just going to hurt me if I go down the plane of, oh, no, they're going to hurt me. They're just scheming to hurt me. Then the fifth time, they get this unsealed letter like that's supposed to mean something. All the nations are saying this. None of that's true. And then he prayed. He, he doesn't come off the wall. Here's what he prays. He says, Lord, strengthen these hands so I can build even more than what I have built already. And I say to you, whatever you're doing that's good for God, don't stop. You're working on your marriage. You're working on your marriage. Don't stop. Don't stop. You're leading a life group. Don't stop that life group. Don't stop meeting. Don't stop hosting. If you serve here as a church, as an usher or a greeter, and somebody offends you, don't stop. Don't stop. If you feel led by God to care for foster children, don't ever stop. If you're here today and you're involved in a ministry that helps uh, protect the life of the unborn, don't ever stop that ministry. If you're praying for America, don't ever stop praying for America. Number three, pay attention. Those walls were finally rebuilt 
to the glory of God. We've looked at all these six chapters to come to verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, so that wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul. And does it say that it took 52 weeks or it was accomplished in 52 days? 52 days. I think we need to thank the Lord and thank Nehemiah. Seems like a lot of trouble just to build a few walls. Verse 6 says that when our en- verse 16 says that when our enemies heard about this, all of the surrounding remember that letter that all the nations think here's the truth, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. It wasn't just the Jews that recognized God's blessing. It was the enemies of God who knew that this was a God thing. As we prepare to close, there's a couple things I want to tell you quickly. One, you know, when I read this story of the walls being rebuilt, the the actual rebuilding part, I don't see any miracles. There wasn't like a bolt of lightning that killed Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. There wasn't an earthquake that kept the enemies at bay. They didn't go to sleep and they woke up the next day and an angel of God had built half the wall for them. No. How did these walls get rebuilt? Well, you have incredible leadership from Nehemiah. Secondly, all the people got together and got up on the wall and started working together. Number three, they didn't give up. In spite of all the persecution and all the trials and all the difficulty from the troublemakers, they just kept building. And number four, they had the hand of God upon their life. And I want to challenge you, do not live in fear. Dedicate yourself to the task at hand. We are doing a good work here at Shepherd Church. I want to ask you, what section of the wall are you working on right now? Are you over in the corner working? Are you over there on the foundation kind of getting that set? Maybe you're sweeping up. Maybe you're volunteering just to carry the bricks from this part of the wall to the next. What section of the wall are you working on right now? Or are you someone who we don't see you for a month and every once in a while you show up and start pointing on all the things you don't like? And I will tell you this, get up on that wall and start working. Lead that life group, help out in the youth department, make those blankets, volunteer for the special events that we have around here. Use whatever gifts and talents God gave you. Get up on that wall and work shoulder to shoulder. And don't ever quit because it's in your faithfulness and in your perseverance and not letting the troublemakers derail you. Finishing your task is what brings glory to God. That's what brings glory to God. A point and a story. Here's the point. Write this down quickly. As I look, just look at Nehemiah. Six chapters. I keep seeing three things. Number one, he has 
this God-given task. He's just anointed of God to rebuild these walls. Don't you see that? Second thing that I see in him is he's, he's tempted. These guys go after him, try to get him off that wall. But he has this tenacity. I'm not coming down off this wall. When you look at that list, who do those three things remind you of? You see, Nehemiah is a picture, a shadow of what Jesus Christ is like. Because Jesus was given a task to come to this world and to die for your sins and for mine. And every time Jesus turned around, Satan was there trying to derail the work of God. But Jesus had his face set to go to that cross. He could have called 10 legion, 10,000 legions of angels to take him down off that cross. But he was committed to fulfilling that task. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every, every way known to man. You know, we're not all tempted the same. Some of you have these temptations, and some of you don't have those temptations. You have these temptations, and you don't have either one of those temptations. you got your own set of temptations. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way that man is tempted, yet he did not sin. He was focused to go to that cross and to die for you and for me. I, I close with this story. There was a youth pastor up in Chicago and you don't really know this in California, but as you get to the East Coast, there are churches that send their kids, colleges do this, Christian colleges and youth groups, they go down to the beaches in Florida and they witness during spring break. And this youth pastor in Chicago took his kids down to spring, spring break in Florida. And they didn't know, you know what it was going to be like, just a bunch of kids going. And the pastor took these two boards took them all the way down there with him. When they got down there to Florida, he took those two boards, this youth pastor, and he formed them in the shape of a cross. And he told those young people, everywhere you go in Florida, you have to carry that cross with you. He wanted, he wanted to remind them of who they were and why they were there. And so at first it was embarrassing. You know, these kids are down there in Florida and they're carrying this cross. They have to go in a restaurant. They've got to carry the cross in the restaurant. They go, they go to 7-Eleven. They've got to carry the cross into 7-Eleven. They go to the beach where everybody's partying, and they've got, they got to carry the cross with them. But they witnessed all week long. And when the week was over and they had to go back to Chicago, he handed every student two nails. And he asked those students to take one of those two nails and to nail it to the cross that they'd been carrying. And he said, when you take that hammer and you drive that nail through that cross, he said, I want you to remember that there were those who actually nailed nails through the hands and feet of Jesus. And somehow, when you nail this nail through the cross, I want, you, I want your mind to go back and to realize what Jesus Christ did for you. In a sense, you know, he died for our sins. So in a sense, we're, we were the ones that nailed him to the cross. Every kid took one of those two nails and went over that cross and hammered it. And then he said, I want you to take that second nail 
as we go back to Chicago, and I just want you to hold on to it as a reminder to what we did this week and a reminder to what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. Fifteen years go by. This youth pastor gets a phone call from one of those students who's now a stockbroker. And he tells the youth pastor, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know that all these years I've, I still have that nail in my hand. And he goes, it has served as a reminder in this crazy world for me not to lose my focus and to always remember what Christ did for me and how I should live my life on this earth serving Him for what He did for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray... But I pray that whatever task God has called you to, that you'll remember that Christ also had a task and he was focused on fulfilling that task. And you and I should do the very same. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for church. Thank you for this study. Thank you for not having to feel rushed. I know, God, that all over this room are people who want to serve you. They want to be a part of a great work. And yet, whenever we make those kinds of decisions, there are those who come up against us. Sometimes they're our own relatives or maybe our closest friend. Maybe it's just a, a culture that has gone the other way and we find ourselves fighting against that culture day in and day out. But Lord, I pray that we will be committed to the task at hand like Nehemiah. That was the project you called him to. You've called each of us in a different sense to get up on that wall and start to work in some area of the church as we make a difference in this world. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fact that he withstood every temptation and was focused on the task at hand. I pray your blessing on every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. Help us not to quit when we're doing good things for you, O oh God. And I know, God, in our hearts that we want to be used as instruments and vessels, especially as we live in these last days. God, may your favor rest upon each and every person we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you are in need of prayer, we invite you to call us at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer requests you may have at this time. You can also contact us right now if you'd like to receive a copy of today's message on either CD or DVD. Our number again is 888-818-4777. For more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our website again is liftupjesus.com. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every week. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated. 
and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again next week at this same time as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.